Welcome to the Limitless Potential Podcast, where together we will dive into the personal, business, and career-rich tips, techniques, stories, and experiences of some incredibly successful and inspirational people, each with their own perspectives and journeys, and each with golden nuggets of wisdom which might just change your life. I'm Tracy Stone, and I'm a master trainer in a number of career supercharging techniques, a transformational coach, international best-selling author, inspirational speaker, and a woman discovering and evolving my very own limitless potential day by day. And welcome back to another episode of Limitless Potential. I'm delighted to be coming to you this time from my holiday in Fuerteventura, where we've got a little bit of sun in February, which is very much welcome, I have to say. But I'm very delighted now to be joined by a really, really lovely lady that I'm so excited for you all to get to meet. So today I'm welcoming Roxana Parasepulveda, who joins us from London in the UK. Roxana has been developing her international psychotherapy practice since 1999 in the UK, Spain and Chile, specializing in understanding the impact of trauma whilst leading and managing counseling services within the charity sector and the higher education sector. Roxana focuses on supporting people to discover their own empowerment in order to make positive and lasting changes in their lives, and who could want more than that? She has written and developed the first ever guidelines to work therapeutically with survivors of female genital mutilation, published in 2019, and it's additionally been published for chapters in books. Roxana has also provided trauma consultancy and advice for media and production companies. She's the former chair of the International Attachment Network and continues to be a part of the board of directors while also being focused on continuing her work to influence social change towards a society without abuse. And she's here with us today to talk about her journey and how she taps into her very own limitless potential. Welcome, Roxana, and thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Tracy. Thank you so very much for your invitation, your kind invitation. I'm thrilled to be here. So um, thank you. And I'm so pleased for you as well that you're enjoying the, the sunshine in this middle of February. Yeah, it's it's just amazing when you do work that you're able to do from anywhere. And I think that's been a huge shift for a lot of people, particularly since covid that we have become much more mobile, that people started working from home, changed their jobs and their careers sometimes in order to be more flexible. And certainly we're very lucky that both myself and my partner are able to work from anywhere in the world. And it does open up so many possibilities. So yeah, I've got a bit of February sun. And That's I'm wonderful. share it with you all from here. <laughs> so Roxana, 
I am so looking forward to people hearing all about you because the work that you do is amazing. But Thank before you. we get to that work, that juiciness of what you do and how you're so special at it, let's take people on that journey of you, of your life, so they know what it took for you to get to where you are today. So if you would, Roxana, can you take us back and tell us a little of what it was like for you growing up? Okay, yes. And when you're asking me this question, what comes to mind is a suitcase. <laughs> so we will we'll keep that in mind because um, I think uh, that's one of the elements that uh, represent my journey as well, no? the movement. And uh, I was born in Chile, in Santiago de Chile. And um, since early age, I was uh, with my family, very, very close, closely related to my family. So I had a good sense of uh, people that was around me, my cousins, my aunties, everybody. So one of the images that I have um, from me as a child were uh, my, my birthday basically, which is this moment in which I was born in the middle of a party. And um, uh, my grandmother, my paternal grandmother has uh, her birthday on the same day. My sister, my older sister, uh, uh, her birthday was the day before. And my dad's birthday was the day after. So the How did eight you guys organize all of that. <laughs> 18, 19, and 20th in, in September. Springtime in Chile. And I was born in the middle of that. So from early age, my my uh, uh, my birthdays were always with the whole family, celebrated with the whole family, because we were also celebrating my grandmother's birthday. And there were my cousins, my aunties, my uncles. And I was the little one dancing in the middle of all the oldest ones, you know, everybody always, there will, will be, when they started to uh, dance rock and roll, I will be taking off the, <laughs> the dance floor and, and to ensure my safety. But it was like that, no, it, that connection with all the people that was part of my family, knowing about them. I have a very, very big family. And clearly a very close family. Yes, as well. And we, that was nurtured very much from always nurturing my family to have that connection with, with everybody that was a part of the family, but also to bring friends in the equation. And how is that? Um, my, my, I was born the year before the dictatorship started in Chile. So I grew up in under the dictatorship that brought a lot of uh, issues. Obviously, there was a lot of death and loss and, and very difficult times um, for many, many people in Chile. And my family was also uh, affected because we, my parents did have a different um, position, a different viewpoint, a poli different political viewpoint to, to the dictatorship. So that created a sense of concern and having to be growing in a place where you really needed to be careful in terms of who did you talk with about what 
and everything related to politics, my mom was very uh, apprehensive about. And so I, I grew up with that sense of there is something dangerous there. There is something dangerous when, when you decide to speak up Absolutely. And, and speak up in the way of saying what you think from and the bottom of your heart. Of, what kind of changes do you think that made for your lifestyle compared to perhaps a different country that didn't have that political unrest, that dictatorship. What do you think are the different choices that you guys had to make as a family? I think uh, the choices are related for me from and from what I have been looking back. Thankfully for us, uh, my direct family didn't have to go to the exile, for example, which many of my friends and family, other family members or, or members of the families of my friends have had to do. So that's something that thankfully didn't affect my immediate family. So we didn't, we, we weren't um, sort of outroot and that was a positive thing. And I was able, my parents was, were able to provide a life where I was able to go to a good school that, and I, I was able to, to access a good education with not so much pressure and not, but uh, there was a lot of um, the social unrest brought a lot of um, fearful feelings, you know, feelings of fear, feelings of having to be careful. Um, in situations where you sometimes couldn't have meetings in, in houses, for example, the big group of people, uh, sometimes you will have to ensure that you, you, you are not, you know, work around curfews, um, situations like that. So all of that uh, shape, the way that you, the things that you can do, the things that you can speak about the things that um, were available for us as well, no? As That's family. interesting. And how do you feel that may have formed parts of your character? What do you think are, are the differences it may have made <clears throat> to you um, compared to somebody else not in that situation then? Well, the differences I think are related to, to safety, to the sense of safety. No, although I had a, a, a secure uh, home, this the, the sense of safety outside, no, and and we know that that sense of safety is fundamental to develop so many other skills in life, no. <clears throat> so that sense of safety is connected with a sense of insecurity as well, no. Um, and I think that creates the difference with other people that probably live in other countries where that didn't happen, you know, where you don't have a political situation that is so strongly present that will oppress in some ways, in different ways, your, your upbringing. No, and that I think is the biggest difference between uh, the the upbringing that I had in Chile in those years with other people. No, and also there is that element of loss, and the acknowledgement that the, there was a lot of loss because there was a lot of people dying in those years, and um, and so that that was an element, an important element, you know, of knowing that was people that were suffering much more those that stay in the country those that were political prisoners 
uh, that has to had to endure torture and and or other horrible conditions. So there was something about that. Uh, but then <clears throat> when I when so school happened, my childhood was pretty good. I will say safe in 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 the in the home environment. And then again, when I was around seventeen there was this massive change, political change in the country. And it felt like it was a, a huge open up and, and, and I felt so energized and happy and, and you know, being able to be involved in that political process that was happening. And, and I was strongly as well developing my own identity and my own ideas with regards to the world and others and what I consider fairness and, and justice and so on. So <clears throat> it was something about that process that that is important to, to acknowledge. Um, coming back then to you as in relation to your specific childhood and your personality, going through that existence with that political situation around you. And it does affect the safety, the security, um, the sense of freedom. But what do you think for your personality as it started to form as a little girl? What were the key aspects? Oh, curiosity. <laughs> oh. Yes, I think one of the... <clears throat> so when you are silent, you you may not be talking but you are listening you're looking so i think from very early age i became an observer i was i was a, a quiet child in the sense of i was not very hyperactive but i was always i remember myself always observing and that actually made me see uh, the world unfolding in front of me you know seeing and and that made me quite curious and um so from that as well I think I started to develop this capacity to listen mm -hmm. uh, that I work with now no um the capacity to listen but that that curiosity as well you know that little by little that yeah, when you are not doing when when you as I said, no, when you are not talking, you're actually other your other senses are awake anyway. And Absolutely. and there is so much that one is uh, internalizing in that process. And so if I will say curiosity, I will say that capacity of listening, that capacity of observing. So I think that inquisitive self no, was developing from early age. Um, and the curiosity of understanding the, the human, human being, human behavior, um, and also uh, understanding the 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 suffering you know yeah. i and and also what what was developing because my i consider my family my parents to be very solidarity people 
no? And um, I did grow as well with uh, friends of my, my parents, uh, get all being together, you know, being in a circle where everybody help everybody. And, and as the children, we grew up together as well. And we have our own, it was our own bubble in, in the group of, of the children as well. And, but you can see how the, your parents were doing things with their friends that was bringing people together you know and it was all about sharing and I think that's part of the connection as well with the family uh, as well now that for on the one side is that family connection and, and the, the the creation of bonds but also the element of solidarity who who needs what 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 can we do for someone what what is needed uh, how we can cooperate how we can do things together how do we organize a, a a christmas party for the children in the building where i live you know things like that that uh, were part of my upbringing as well so that element of solidarity so that sense of of service and, and the notion of helping others I think is is part of that equation. I, I as love well. that you touched on that because I, I think over and over again we see that element of solidarity that connection of people coming together as a community to help and support each other and look after each other it's so much more evident in countries that are either less developed or underdeveloped or politically difficult or strained yeah um, it's more evident in difficult situations than it is in affluence. Absolutely. Yes, totally. I agree with you. And I think that um, that way of thinking is what helped us to migrate as well, you know, and help us to adapt, to be flexible, to understand situations and 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 ensure that you can find your place as well and to collaborate you know to bring to that to to be comfortable in the togetherness yes more than more than the competition no the yes. competitiveness yes so Roxana when did you first become aware that helping people was a skill for you you've referred to to this notion of helping people already but at what point did you see that as more than just this is what we do? This is something I'm really good at and that you wanted to, to look more into that. Mm. When did this become a thing for you? So um, I think it become, it was quite natural. And, and I remember at school participating and organizing things with others being part of you know a festival that was organized sort of wanting to be and and the word the way that we that we study in, in the school that I was it that was part of the the work as well you know they help us to to be sometimes in charge of the class you know to ensure things will be done in a certain way so it was something about organizing leading and also helping and being kind in that process so but I think when I started to think about what to study towards the end of school years around 16 to 18 when you start to think about well what I'm going to do next no mm -hmm. and thinking about what to study I I realized that I wanted to to mix two things one was 
my interest to understand the human behavior and human brain and but also I was interested in in biology and I wanted to make a contribution to society so it was the social aspect with this more sort of biological kind of aspect mm -hmm. and I thought well one that can help me with that is is to become a doctor to be a psychiatrist maybe but I I didn't want to study all that those many years little I knew <laughs> And then uh, I decided that uh, I didn't want to do just social worker because I felt that I would be missing all that side of understanding the, the biology of, of the human behavior and so on. So I decided to study psychology. Okay, so did you go straight to university to do that? I did, I did. I, I did, um, I, something uh, very difficult happened to me when I was 18. I was attacked on the street in Chile. And then after that, I took a period in which I recover. And after that, I started university. And so I had a, a year gap, a little bit more than, a little bit less than, than a year gap there, recovering and, and getting back to myself. After that, was that so difficult for you. It, it was very difficult because it was a moment in which I was you know, in that sense of being in the top of the world, when you are super confident and super, you know, strong that you are ready to eat the world. And this blow was really, really hard for me and and, and, and lead me to lose my innocence. And by losing that sense of innocence, you know, that naivety that was with me, um, that lead me to be much cautious and, and fearful at some level as well. You know, the world, yes, it was more, diff more, more, um, the it was like a confirmation that the world was more dangerous than I thought. No? And that the, the, there was a reality about bad people. No. And it's like in that moment, everything changes what you understand. Everything, real. Yes, yes, yes. Everything changes. And, and I did have a very good support from my family, uh, from, from friends, uh, from, yeah, specialists as well. Um, yeah. And it was a very difficult time. But also I learned a lot from it over the years. And in that moment, I just put myself together as I could and went off and follow what I wanted to do. You know, I think the, the big defiance for me was to fight for what I wanted to do, which was to study and go to university and study psychology and carry on with my life, really. You know, I didn't want that to, to define my life and my, my journey. I didn't have any particular idea of what else will happen, but I knew that psychology wasn't a starting point. And then soon after um, I started to study psychology, I enjoyed it, you know, and, and I was kind of noticing more and more how this was making sense to me. Roxana, if we can just step back a second into that. You're, you're talking about this um, decision that you made for yourself, a, a very powerful decision 
to say this is not going to dictate mm. this event that happened is not going to control and dictate me how did you come to that kind of powerful choice because you'll have seen as well as I have so many people spend decades being controlled by the event or events that have happened to them yeah those events are no longer present they're carrying that weight of those events with them and it changes everything so how did you come quickly I mean that is relatively quickly how did you get there so I think I think that was the only thing that I could do at the time. All the rest and what you are explaining about how this was with me for a long period of time, it that happened to me too. I have done a huge amount of therapy. I have worked with myself for many years to process all what happened then and um, how it did affect me. And so that process of carrying that, it, it, it portrayed in different angles in, uh, throughout my life. But I think um, things that help was migration was one of the things that did help. And um, in, in going into a place where I felt safer and I was able to just carry on with my life, you know, um, I think something that happened in that moment was that I um, somehow miraculously, I don't know, something came into me in that moment and I was able to save my life in that moment. So I think there was something within me that helped me to go and it was a for there was a force in me I think I, I was fighting you know I, I was a fighter I think that that's part of the the thing the the situation that I I somehow I didn't I didn't know that I was a fighter then now I know I was a fighter then but at then I was doing just what I could do and the thing that I could do you know focus is focusing on that idea of what I can do that I also now I know I had then that I couldn't articulate at the time. It felt like the only thing that I had on hand were my studies. You know, I, it, I was finishing university uh, school and, and the next step was university. So off I went and did university, you know, and in um, and, and as I'm saying, in the process, I was um, because in Chile to study psychology lasts for six years. Wow. So, so it's a long process and that's why I'm saying I had plenty of time to get into the point that to realize that yes this is what I want to do yes this is for me and then um, also I remember the very first moment that I had placement that was around the third year in 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 uni and I had to work with a family and um I had my that very first session with the family and I think I experienced human connection in a very deep level for the first time then and I think that hooked completely hooked me 
because is that what I continue to experience throughout the years when I am with my clients and working with them and and helping them to find you know that sense of empowerment because that I become to understand that comes from within mm-hmm. and then um that's that's what it is that has helped to help me th- through all those years of university that weren't easy it wasn't an easy time for me uh and, but that also was a period that was uh, connected with migration because i left santiago to go to another city in chile in the south mm-hmm. completely different area in the country much colder and rainy terrible terrible <laughs> those winters but those winters are the ones that helped me actually to stay here in the UK because the first year that I came here to the UK everybody was I was coming from Barcelona I used to live in Barcelona at the time and everybody was saying oh, no how can you leave Barcelona for London those winters and so on but I came and I said, okay, if this winter in London that everybody talks about is worse than the winters in the South, in Chile, I'm not coming. I'm not staying. And so I I went through that first winter and I thought, this is not a winter. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll be fine. I'm, I will be it's just right. Bad. It wasn't bad at all. Yeah. But you were so brave, Roxana, to, mm. to carry on and move forward despite that. What advice would you have for anybody listening in? Because so many people have had a traumatic mm. event mm. or events and it becomes so controlling in their yes. life yeah and they very much believe that this is now who I am I, I will always be controlled by this I will my life will be smaller what advice do you have to to give anyone who's listening to be able to f- hear that voice because we all have that little voice inside that you listen to what can you share with people to be able to find that thing that you think, yes, I will listen to that and I'm not going to allow this to control me. It happened, Mm, mm, mm. but it's not going to take anything else from me. Yes. Well, I think most importantly is to be patient with yourself, I think. Though that that is the very first thing because I I experienced it myself and I and I have seen it throughout the years in my clients as well uh, and all with all the women that I have worked with uh, surviving all kind of abuse what I constantly we constantly went back to to that it was that need of being kind and and very patient with oneself because those moments of deep fear, those moments of flashbacks, those moments of um, feeling that probably this is this is it, that there is nothing else in my life than this situation uh, may come. And in those moments, we have to remind ourselves that it is possible to get out of that, you know, that it requires time and it requires work on ourselves but it's possible, mm. no? And so 
that element of self-compassion is so essential for all of us, even if we haven't experienced situations of trauma or, or difficult situations like I experienced that, that time or that so many horrible things that I know people have been through in life. But I think it's easy to lose sight sometimes about how easy is to give and to pay attention to other other people's needs and to accommodate to make others happy and so on and in that process lose sight of ourselves mm -hmm. lose sight of our own needs lose sight lose sight of what is good for us no and it's a it's a learning curve these things don't happen from one moment to the other like from nothing it's a curve, it's a, it's a learning curve. And, and I didn't do this alone. I did this with a lot of support, with a lot of love from a very caring family, a very caring group of friends. When I moved to the South, I was with my second parents and which are friends of my parents. They, they saw us growing up and they are my second parents and I am one of their adopted children, you know? So if that wasn't there, I wouldn't have been able to so quickly or, or, or I think that was, that was helpful in that process, no? So for, for those that are still in that place in which there is despair, um, it's important to look at who are the people that you will surround yourself with, no? And start to think about the relationships that you have. Start to think about the relationships that you will nurture and realize as well that we do have the right to choose mm -hmm. the people that we want near us. It's so true. We... Um really only when we're children we are really dependent on the people that we come through into life yes after that we get to make choices but sometimes we don't realize it or we realize yes. that we get to make the choice of who we surround ourselves with and it's so true that um that we really are a product of the environment that we put ourselves into yeah absolutely but also I think one of the other things that I have learned working in the charity sector and, and supporting so many women uh, surviving abuse is that um, we also need to be aware. And, and that's why I'm talking about understanding ourselves, no? Because the choices that we make the the decisions that we or the people that we decide to be with and so on that also has to do with the, our own upbringing all the messages that we receive as women you know of what is our place in our, in society what we should be doing what what are the expectations we should have and so on so there are so many messages so there is an element of finding those safe places where you can start to challenge your own beliefs absolutely and understand them understand where they come from and from there 
start to make the changes little by little with patience, with kindness, and move forward towards where you want to be with the people you want to, to be as well, no? Because it's important that we acknowledge as well. I have noticed that we work a lot in avoiding where we don't want to be. Yes. And there is a lot of energy put on that. But there is very little place and very and I, I'm, I'm not sure if I've ever heard any encouragement for me, especially to think about where I want to be. You know, to have that clear picture of where you want to be, how that looks like, how that feels, what are you going to be doing when that happens, what what others will be noticing on you, and so on. No, is something about picturing that place where you want to be, and work towards that with patience, with hard work. And with a lot of kindness towards oneself, I think, to understand where you come from. I was in uh, visiting one of my, my my nieces during Christmas and New Year. And we were talking a lot about those messages that as women we receive, no? And, and it's about thinking about your grandmothers, your aunties, your mothers, all of those women and men that have been in your life and all those messages that are passed on through generations that in a way shape us and and help us or not in making uh, the decisions that we are making at the moment you know and in whichever moment in our life we are and and it's interesting to think how sometimes what i'm doing now uh, i just I, I just became 50 uh, uh, very recently it was a very poignant moment because I thought I would uh, I will never thought that becoming 50 I, I will feel how I feel but also I will be doing the things that I'm doing you know that I will feel that bravery that I was looking for you know that I will feel uh, and own that sensation of I am in control. I I can do what I want. I can put the boundary to where something is not right for me and so on. And I can accept that there will be things in life that I will not change, especially people, you know? We we don't change people. So powerful, Roxana, and you're so right. As women, very often we don't come into our power, our strength, our confidence our sense of being okay with being me. I'm good enough, I, I am wonderful. We don't often come into that until much later in life. Mm. Um, it would be great if we had it in our youth, uh, yes. bef- you know, before we start out into life, but very often I think we don't hit it. When I turned 40, I cried the night before I turned 40. I cried my eyes out because I thought, I'm not ready for this yet. I'm not ready for 40. I haven't achieved the things I wanted to. I didn't feel like I I kind of was there. When I turned 50 a couple of years ago, I was all kinds of good with it because everything had shifted for me and I just felt right in myself. I, I had a different level of confidence, a different level of knowing myself. 
And that with that wisdom, with that life experience, with making some choices, with learning from the choices that didn't work, with age, I think we get better and better and better. We are like the wine. We are. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Experience is so good. But something important about experience and, and something that I always uh, talk as well with my patients and clients is that experience give you the high side no when we look back we can always say oh I could have done that I could have decided this or I could have said I you know there is always something to change you know mm. but when we realize that is because we we had the experience is because we made that choice and because we are where we are now is that we can see what we see so it's something about and again i go back to kindness you know towards oneself and that we can look at the past and our past decisions with kindness and understand how that help us to be where we are now because what we did in the past is what is helping us to get where we are right now. And there is always, always some element of growth after a crisis, after a loss, after difficult moments. Um, you mentioned the, the pandemic just now. Uh, yes, such a moment of crisis, how everybody went into this place of let's rejiggle what, what my priorities are. No, mm -hmm. and that happens all the time when we are going through periods of crisis of difficult time, and we we have the opportunity to do that. It's okay to do it. It's like we are in a project, and it's okay to review, change. It's okay to make mistakes, but we don't allow that to ourselves. So many times, there is something about I don't know. I don't know what do you think as well, Tracy, but probably. Is a time that we live in that we are so much immersed in this um, sense of perfection. Yeah. We need to look in a certain way. We need to be in a certain way. There is so, a search for perfection. And I it can tell so everybody, right. perfection doesn't exist. <laughs> it, does, <laughs> it really doesn't exist. And it's anyway, it is only in your own mind. Because what you see as perfection is entirely different to what somebody else might see as perfection. It's so subjective. As well, yes. But we get it so fixed in our mind, what we should be doing, looking like, acting like, having. And we see all that as perfection. And we, we push for that because we think it's expected. Yes. But there somebody is... else's view is different. Absolutely. And something about the expectation that that is that, that's so so important i think because that expectation is something that we are projecting to others but also is something that link us a lot with what we think for example our parents may expect from us no yeah. or our partners or our children i don't know we we sometimes are so um, strongly influenced by somehow doing things that we think will be making others proud therefore will make us feel good if others feel good i will feel good and we're not always right about it we we're working so hard because 
we think if we do this this way, it will make that person happy. We believe we know what their expectation is, but so often it's not their expectation. And so many of us are living that way that I'm doing this because I think it will make that person happy. Mm. A very tiny example, and you can bring that example out big. A tiny example, I went for a walk along the beach here this morning with my other half. Mm -hmm. And I was walking slowly. And we went out to see the sunrise, which I don't normally do because I'd usually be sleeping at the sunrise. But we went out to see the sunrise and I was walking slowly because I thought he'll want to walk slowly. And he's walking slowly because he thought I want to walk slowly. (laughs) And after quite some time of this, he says, can we walk faster? I said, yes, absolutely. I'm walking slowly because I thought you want to. He says, no, I'm walking slowly because I thought you want to. (laughs) Sometimes we need to just be able to say, this is what I think I should be doing or we should be doing and be open to that conversation instead of assuming that we know what will make the other person happy. Yes. But we still don't even have to do what we think will make the other person happy because if we can't make ourselves happy, how can we make other people happy? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's something about realizing that first of all, it's essential that we we work on that self-care, no, and that making ourselves happy because when we are happy, we are content in that place of harmony within ourselves everything else fall into that place no yeah. everything that we project that to others and uh, and somehow we is that that is the influence that we bring into the situations that we get involved in the conversations that we're involved and so on so that's the the energy that you bring therefore that is transmitted somehow and um, things become different you know you start to realize that the level of influence that you have with with that the same happened with people that comes with a lot of negativity with a lot of um well, suffer, unresolved suffering, I would have said, no? That is very much uh, stopping them from finding that place of harmony within, no? Mm-hmm. That, and we are all in a different path in that journey. There is nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that because we are all in a different path. And that's something that I always think about as well, that compassion becomes so important again because we we are we never know what the other person's bag is carrying you know Mm -hmm. there has been so much loss so much pain lately and but at any given time we never know what the other person is suffering about and that's something I learned as well you know doing therapy because everybody everybody suffers for a reason Mm -hmm. I one one day someone said to me I will go and work in this other field, in this other sector, because there I will find people that are suffering, are are really suffering, you know? And it was like, what are you talking? I was like, that that hit me so, so strongly because it was like a no. In any, anywhere you find anyone that comes to therapy, they are coming to therapy because they are suffering for something. And those reasons are 
always valid no because because it's it's part of their life is valid is is they are feeling it so it is there is real and um and it's interesting that sometimes we also make the assumptions that because we see someone that may have many things or may i don't know have opportunities to do certain things certain things that you cannot do make you assume that those people have a fantastic life when we see all what people share in social media no we see it a lot in that area uh, when we look at uh, facebook and instagram everybody shows their best or try to show their best and um i think that is also uh, making people to forget that actually everybody's suffering for something and that in that you are not the only one if you if there is something bothering you and hurting you or that you are sort of trying to make sense of no absolutely mm. and when you look back then roxana at the suffering that you had back then and the person that you are today what would you say are the key lessons that you have taken away about yourself mm. Uh, first of all that uh, what happened to me when I was 18 was not my fault that when I learned that or I came to the realization of that I liberated myself from from uh, I would say the pain of thinking that I've probably been responsible for causing what happens to me and so I re that led me to put the responsibilities where it belonged. Mm -hmm. No, so first of all was that to realize that it wasn't my fault. Then the other thing I think has been important for me is to start to focus on what I can do. To accept and realize that life today. Well, there are two things. One is that to focus on what I can do instead of what I cannot do and suffer about that, you know, or worry about what I cannot do. So to start to embrace more and more what I can do. But the other thing is that the realization that, and this is something I read as well somewhere, that resilience comes from the acceptance of um uncertainty because today i'm here tomorrow i don't know and where i was in that moment in life it was it, it was a, an absolute flip from one place to the other and i wasn't expecting that to happen so it gave me the realization of uncertainty as well and i think with the years as well i have learned more and more and more that um uncertainty the the more we accept uncertainty the more resilient we we could be we can become always also that. focusing just, on what i we had can to do. make a note of that there Oxfam, that resilience <laughs> let me see what did i capture from it resilience comes from the acceptance of uncertainty yes Absolutely. people need to take a little moment and really drink that in that's okay. powerful yes yes okay yeah. 
Yeah. So what else would you add to your list that you have learned about yourself? What we just did. Mm-hmm. Pause. Breathe. Allow ourselves a moment. You know, I have been the first one, and my friends know me, that I am always the first one to get in every single project that I find excited and and I get enthusiastic about so many things so I have been a you know always super busy there has been moments in which I was working 50 hours per per week it was crazy no time for anything no time for breathing more than anything there was no time for me to breathe and what happened is I was walking fast to to my office in in the morning early in the morning and um, this happened a couple of years ago and I was writing an email in my head walking fast and all of a sudden I don't know how my foot twist very badly and two hours later I was in A&E with a x-ray on my hands with a broken ankle oh wow that and that came imagine I mean complete in a in a super high intensity ultra busy environment and off I go with a broken ankle having to stop to pause and um and that was really really difficult really difficult because i couldn't stop i was in that in that place no of motion constant and um and what i have learned and i think that is what helped me as well to get to my 50s in a good shape you know in the way that i feel is that I learned that I need to pause, I need to breathe, that I, that it's okay to rest, that resting is, you are doing a lot when you're resting, actually, your body is doing so much when you're resting, but all the time we're thinking, no, because I'm resting, I'm not doing anything, but to allow myself to those moments of pausing, you know, what we just did, realize something, sink it in you know take the time breathe and also learn to breathe because normally we're not breathing as we should so to give those deep breath and understand how much those basic simple things that we can do can make such a massive change in our life and I think that also is what motivate me to to do the podcast that I started very recently in in January the mind your mind podcast uh, because tell us about your podcast Roxana so the podcast is because I have been working as a clinical supervisor for many years and leading therapeutic services for many many years seeing frontline workers living and experiencing the impact of working with other people that are are survivors of trauma. So when we are in that place of helping others that are suffering and we are in this constant level of stress and and listening and witnessing uh, the suffering of others, there is something that is called secondary traumatization that can occur. So we are exposed to that. So the podcast is about a secondary traumatization prevention 
and what everybody that is working in the front line, people that are helping people, working in the helping profession, in the, in the caring profession, first responders, and so many people working in the front line in the charity sector, in the higher education sector, supporting others, uh, are exposed to that and what they can do. So the podcast is about that, what you can do to enhance your resilience, to reduce anxiety, to continue helping others and continue and maintain a good level of practice, but without getting to that point of burnout, without getting um, to that point where you lose sight of yourself and your own needs. So that's the podcast about and is so close to my heart in terms of the theme and the things that we are talking about because there is so much to to learn there it's so important it really is vital and where can people find your podcast and again what's the name of it Roxana so the name of the podcast is mind your mind and is in 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 um, youtube and Instagram as well. And you can hear it in, in YouTube and uh, Spotify. In Spotify. I'm yes. sure we can maybe add some links. So we'll put some yeah, links that, that people be... can find here. Uh, because I think that's such a powerful and important topic for people to be able to get that brilliant help that you can provide. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So I'm thinking about myself about those going back to the basics no breathing uh, uh, how are you eating how that will impact in the way that you feel as well uh, sleeping uh, connecting with that force of life that is really related to these very basic things that we can do that we totally lose sight of mm -hmm. it's constantly. so true mm -hmm. and people who are the givers the carers tend to give and care to the extreme yes and to their own detriment so it's yes. that balance while you are working as a giver and a carer it's also being able to look after yourself so you can care well you can give well to people but without being to your detriment absolutely so i'm putting that in practice as well how wonderful you yes yes yes, yes. Very much so in my own life. And I'm learning myself in, 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 in the process. You know, I have been working in this field for so many years and there is so much experience there, so much to share um, that I am going back to basics as well and, and allowing myself to <clears throat> slow down, be present, breathing and just starting from there you know and seeing where things will where life will take me next and it oh. sounds so simple but yet we generally don't do it yes absolutely absolutely I love that it's uh, easy to lose sight of it it's so easy to lose sight um, and my god the time has been flying by I can't believe that we're at the top of our hour here but before we let you go Roxana, I would love to know what advice, if you could go back in time as the woman that you are now, the woman with experience, uh, with self-acceptance, with so much under your belt now, so much understanding and mm. love and care and experience. If you could go back and sit beside that 18-year-old girl that you were at that time, 
what would you have to say to her? I will say to her, <clears throat> learn this mantra. Everything is always working out for me. Everything is always working out for me. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's the mantra that, uh, that will help you to, to overcome your fears, your insecurities. So you will find strength and trust mm -hmm. and you can, you will be able to feel better. Yes. 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 I like it. I like it a lot. It's, it's calming. It's, uh, it's resilient. Yes. It's about that. It's about finding that, that calm, that sense of security again, no, that sense of security in the world but also within yes i love it yeah and any final pearl of wisdom that you would like to share with our listeners um i think one thing that comes to mind i wanted to share with you i had um a book here that i wanted to share is it's called ikigai and um it's very interesting because we know that there has been a lot of research about what happiness is, what makes us happy, and how we can achieve that sense of happiness in life. And this book is talking about, uh, as well, we, we know about the Blue Zone research that has been done that mm -hmm. talk about, um, you know, many of the things that I have spoken about here too you know that are related to self-care and the way that we eat and uh, how we take care of our gut health for example but also here in in this book um we understand how important is the sense of community the connection with others to don't isolate even if you are suffering for something do not isolate go out, meet people, talk with others, explore, try to try, because sometimes it will be difficult, but go out, push, push a little bit the boundary, even if it is difficult, try to try to do it. One day you will come, other days you will not be able to do it, that's fine, but try and keep that connection with others, because we know that sense of community will also give us a very good sense of well-being. Mm -hmm. And uh, in this book, there is a, an equation that talk about um, our capacities and our skills, what, what Ikigai is. And what Ikigai is, is that force, that thing that makes you get up every day in the morning. That's Ikigai. And so I will encourage everybody to make connection with others and open their eyes, open their ears and see what is, what make them get up in the morning and follow that through because that will be your Ikigai. Oh, how lovely. Can we show that book again, Roxana? Yes. And we'll just show everybody the name and okay, perfect, Ikigai. Ikigai. And I do recall hearing all about that, and yeah, I'm ready to go and buy that book now. I really like it. I recommend it. Fantastic. 
Roxana, thank you so much for sharing with us today. It's been so wonderful having you on here. I've really enjoyed our chat together. Uh, and I know it's going to have been helpful to a lot of people. So thank you for sharing with us today. Thank you so very much. Thank you for the invitation and uh, for this lovely conversation as well, for taking me through my own journey and my own life history. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I know you so much more to share. So I think we will have to have you back again another time. Anytime. I'll be happy to come. <laughs> thank you, Roxana. And thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, we do hope you've enjoyed this wonderful conversation with Roxana. What a pleasure she is to chat with. Um, so thank you for listening into Limitless Potential. We look forward to welcoming you back again another week, another journey, another wonderful person sharing their pearls of wisdom, helping you to tap into your limitless potential. Thank you. And we'll see you soon.